Thanks for tuning in to the Drive On Podcast, where we are focused on giving hope and strength to the entire military community. Whether you're a veteran, active duty, guard, reserve, or a family member, this podcast will share inspirational stories and resources that are useful to you. I'm your host, Scott Delusio, and now let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, today my guest is Mark Malay. Mark is a retired naval officer and aviator. After leaving the military, Mark founded Reformed, which provides a place for veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs to connect with the community and uh, business services that they can trust. Uh, so welcome to the show, Mark. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, hey, thanks, Scott. And no worries. Uh, pausing when you get to my last name is a pretty common occurrence in my life. <laughs> so, uh, and I know with a name like Deluzio, you get the same, but Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no worries. So, yeah, I was a naval aviator in the, my adult life. In fact, my call sign uh, has was, and if you ask my Navy friends, is fun, which uh, um, coincidentally stands for effed up name. So, uh, <laughs> I've grown up with that. I uh, I was a Naval Academy graduate uh, back in 1996. Uh, became a naval aviator. Flew the F-14 Tomcat. Uh, I had the privilege of being a Top Gun instructor uh, through the beginning uh, days of uh, the Iraq War, uh, made five deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, like all of us have, um, and then made a transition to work for uh, JSOC for a couple of years as an operational planner. Uh, after that, I came up here, where I live now, to Annapolis, Maryland, to instruct at the Naval Academy uh, to corrupt young minds. Uh, I mean, to create <laughs> officers, Marine Corps officers, and to, and to teach in the political science department. Retired uh, in late 2017. And today, um, after a really st struggle-filled first year as an entrepreneur in uh, 2018, uh, my business pivoted to support what you said, veterans, military spouses, and, and new to the uh, news to us is uh, elite athletes. Help us help all that community launch and grow their businesses. Awesome. Yeah. So when we were emailing back and forth uh, to you know get you on the show uh, a few weeks ago, you had mentioned that you deployed on the, the USS Teddy Roosevelt in uh, back in 2009, 2010 uh, time period. I, th I think we probably had some overlap uh, uh, on that deployment because I, I got to Afghanistan in the early part of 2010. Mm -hmm. um, but you had mentioned that this deployment uh, had changed the tra trajectory of your life. And I'm interested in hearing more about this deployment and uh, what took place during that deployment for you. Yeah, Scott, what a great, well, what a, what a loaded question, my friend. <laughs> Whenever you, you encounter somebody else from whatever their service who said, hey, I was in Afghanistan as well in 2009 and 10. Um, let's talk about it. Boy, what a time, right? right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a pivotal time in my in my life, as it was in a lot of our lives. Um, the troops surged. The, the I mean, this was year eight, nine of the of the of Operation Enduring Freedom. Um, the war had matured, yet um, so much was stagnant, uh, and yet it was and it was such a bloody conflict um, in which we were trying to win hearts and minds. I recall, you know, this was uh, was it General McChrystal who was the the uh, ISAF commander at the time and under yes. him, the rules of engagement were undergoing a, a trend, a period of transition, trying to return to this, like um, the, the, the idea that we are not ever going to win this war if we don't win the hearts and minds of the Afghan people. 
Um, and you don't do that by blowing up every, you know, every building that has um, a suspected insurgent inside it. Well, so what, that was the period we were in, was that, that, that phase of the conflict. And with right. the troop surge going on, there, were, there was also um, a, you know, escalation of attack on, attacks on American forces. Well, for us flying off the USS Theodore Roosevelt, um, we left Virginia Beach in 2009, thinking we were going on a six-month deployment, like most Navy deployments were to date. Um, and Scott, we ended up uh, staying there for nine months, and uh, it was because of just how uh, much turmoil there was in everything I just shared, as well as in the. I recall there was like this major troop tran or a transfer of control of uh, the Helmand province. I mean, if you remember, that was like the South Central province. Yeah. Um, near uh, was it Kandahar and that whole area. It was a very dangerous spot and American Marines were turning it over to British Army and Marines. And the turnover was just so tumultuous that we remained on station for an extra three months. Um, to make a long story short, we can dive into some of the details. During our that nine month deployment, um, the, the American Marines we supported lost 24 of their brothers and sisters to insurgent attacks. And this was, and our, under uh, our British Marine and Army friends lost uh, 55. Oh, wow. This will stay with me for the rest of my life because um, we tallied that at the end of our stay as we head back home. Um, and the Navy was like, great job. Welcome back to Norfolk, Virginia Beach. You guys have crushed it. Keeping an American democracy strong and looking after a national interest. And I'm like, I remember turning to a friend thinking like, is this what is this what this is what victory feels like? I mean, under our watch, I mean, 79, 79 men and women were killed. Mm -hmm. uh, and what did we accomplish? We we uh, we were part of a very bloody uh, you know contest on the ground for terrain, as you remember, uh, right. in the army. And uh, I, personally, I was involved in a number of engagements that um, um, led to us tar you know targeting. Um, uh, insurgent positions with weapons, either GPS laser guided bombs or, or uh, our 20 millimeter cannon. We did a lot of kinetic activity. Remember that? Yes. And I just don't, uh, leaving that deployment was an, uns I left unsettled. Um, we took a lot of lives. We scorched a lot of earth. Um, and rightly, we did it in the name of protecting our, our coalition and American brothers and sisters on the ground. Whether we advanced American interests on the ground is another question. And uh, I remember leaving that deployment, we, we literally pulled out and we almost didn't want to leave. Do you remember that feeling when you're like at the end of a deployment and you're like, we are the experts here. We know how to deal with the enemy. We know the terrain, you know, we know the field. We know what our weaknesses are. We know what our strengths are. We felt that yeah. as on that aircraft carrier. And, and then you're just turning it over to fresh, fresh meat basically. <laughs> Yeah, fresh, fresh faces from Virginia Beach were like, hey guys, we're here to take over. And you're like, oh my God, if you guys only knew what you're going to learn, we'll try to teach you in like, what, what was it? We would, get, we would be given like 72 hours for a turnover. <laughs> like, right. We're going to begin to teach you what we, and we would, we would do the best we could. And I, I appreciate that, you know, the Navy did the best they could to, 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 to facilitate those handovers. Um, um, I think there was, a, there was a name for it. I forget what the turnover name was back then. Um, but we would, uh, I remember feeling like we had just 
facilitated this transition of power on the ground from American Marines to the British to the British Army and, and Marine and Marine Corps. And it was a it was a bloody turnover. The American Marines figured it out. I mean, they understood mm-hmm. how to uh, deal with insurgent forces. And the British though came in and it felt like they came in and just kicked a hornet's nest. And whenever those guys and girls would go on patrol, they got they got they were they were in a troops in contact situation routinely. And it just felt like something changed. And our lives were much more complicated because, you know, we were playing these new rules of engagement and trying to de-escalate. But the mm-hmm. British were new in the ground and they were like, bomb that building, bomb that, that, that area. They wanted to blow up everything. And we in right. the air had to be like, hey, have you done these following things? We're not. Nah. And it really came to a head for me, Scott. And uh, I don't want to, to this question's, uh, you know, going to lead to others. I, I was put in a position where I almost committed a, a fratricide, um, where a British patrol lost track of another British patrol and oh. cleared us hot to drop weapons on, on the other patrol. It was one of those situations where my crew, my, I was in a two-person Super Hornet, uh, Jason Gustin, who is a friend to this day. Um, and Jason and I, we just executed our training and we, we showed a little bit of tactical patience. We knew we had five minutes before they were even close to each other. One British patrol thought the other was insurgent forces and they weren't in touch. And uh, we were a little patient, a little patient, but we were, we were, our fangs were out and we were about to drop weapons. And uh, we didn't, not because we knew better, but because we decided to wait and we decided to wait for a better opportunity, but we were also waiting because we could. And we knew that the ROE drove a more patient, more patient posture. And that British JTAC on the ground was yelling at us to drop weapons. And uh, we said, stand by, stand by, stand by. And all of a sudden, another British voice crackles in the radio. Remember the old KY-58 encrypted radios? They were terrible anyway, but mm-hmm. crackle on the radio. And it was a different British voice. And they checked in with each other like it was like no big deal. And we were like, okay, I guess you don't need us anymore. We're going to head back to the ship. Right. That, that event there kept me up for days. Because had I done just what we were told to do, I would have had the lives of ten young British soldiers on my on my hands for the rest of my life. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that that gives you that that what if uh, you know thing in the in the back of your head that that you keep probably torturing yourself with to oh, yeah. you know to that, try to justify it in your head. You know, oh, you and I can't imagine what I would have gone through. But I didn't have to, not because I was good, but because. I was slightly patient and because I was very lucky. Yeah. And I can imagine those, uh, you know, of our brothers and sisters who were just as good, but were not as lucky. And Mm -hmm. what they deal with today, um, as they wake up every morning and think about those same situations that they were just not as lucky to get out of. Um, So for me, coming off that deployment was just, uh, it was hard. It was hard yeah. leaving that and coming back to the state. So, you know, I'll wrap up this long-winded answer to your question by saying, you know, uh, a buddy of mine, Mal, uh, Paul Fermo, his call sign was Malvo. <laughs> Malvo uh, is named after the DC sniper, um, and totally inappropriate, but your your guests will appreciate it. Uh, Malvo because he never he, he never turned down a target. Um, <laughs> you know, Lee Boyd Malvo, the DC sniper who took many lives back in 2000. Right. Very sad story. But Malvo is a great friend of mine uh, to, to this day. He and I um, wanted to do something more. 
before we got back to the States. And we decided to organize a flight deck marathon on the Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. And how do you do that? Well, I, we got a, you know, one of those like roller measure things to measure out a mile. And believe it or not, like three laps around a carrier flight deck is a mile. And so we were like, did the math. We're like, all right, so three times 26.2. We did, we, we measured out a marathon on the flight deck and we turned it into a fundraiser for the entire ship. And we connected with our friends and families back home. And we raised like $25,000 oh, wow. for both the American Wounded Warrior Project. And this is before that whole organization kind of fell apart. And the British equivalent called the British Help for Heroes organization, um, both serving, you know, uh, um, you know, the disabled, wounded, combat disabled veterans. Right. And uh, coincidentally, the ship would pull into Portsmouth, England, and we had an opportunity to meet with Help for Heroes, present them a check. And then we pulled into Jacksonville, Florida, and did the same thing with the Wounded Warrior Project. Um, so in hindsight, at the end of that deployment that was so bloody and changed a lot of our lives forever, um, it was just so just surreal to be able to meet with those two entities to present them a check from the sailors and crew of this American aircraft carrier that had just been in Afghanistan for nine months to both the British who had lost 55 young men and women and the, and the Americans, you know, it was a warrior project, but to the American side who had lost 24. So that, that deployment really changed the course of my life for all those reasons. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, uh, that's a great background story and, and kind of a good segue into, you know, where you transitioned, uh, you know, as, as you were getting out of the, the Navy and, um, you know, what, and, and into what you're, you're doing now. Um, but so before getting out of the Navy, uh, did you, what did that look like for you? Did you have a plan for what you wanted to do when you, when you got out? Uh, you know, did you have a exit strategy or if you want to call it that, or, or were you uh, sort of just kind of winging it when you, when you, when you got out? Yeah, in one word, nope. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, that, that does seem like a, you know, kind of a, a common thing that, that a lot of people when they're, when they're getting out, they, they're done and they just want to, be done and they they just write it off and and that that's that um but you know other people do have more of a strategy they they they're planning you know six months nine months out or, or whatever and they're they're trying to you know make connections with people and you know try to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their lives but um you know some other people uh like seems like with with in your case didn't really have much of a strategy uh getting out so so what was it what was it like for for you to as you were getting out you know it was um i think my experience was a little bit unique um only because uh, i think we all approach the transition based on how much risk we can take and for me as i was a i was a retiring 05 i was what 40 three years old, uh, you know, I, I was 43 going on 29. I felt like I, I was 20% disabled. I had no issues, you know, I was, everything was good to go. I was financially um, stable and um, I really had, but I was not married, didn't have kids. So I could take a lot more risk and I could open up my aperture to what I wanted to do. So mm -hmm. I really took a, a broader look. When I say nope, I, I, I say that facetiously because I was looking at everything. And right. it took me a couple of months to narrow that down to, um, look, I can do anything in this next phase of life. I remember thinking like, I can move to Scotland and raise goats. 
I mean, that would, <laughs> I'm like, that would be kind of cool. Like, why would you do that? But I, I could do that. Well, I was on a hike in Idaho um, that the fall I was retiring. I think I was on terminal leave. And uh, I ran a campfire that night, one night. I was like, you know what? I need to, I was brainstorming on what I wanted to focus on in my, in my next phase of life. And I just, I settled on, I want to get, I want to build a business and be an entrepreneur. Number two, I want to be involved in sustainability because it's an area that I care about that I had not been able to influence yet in my adult life. And number three, I wanted to somehow support the veteran community. So from there, those three, those three priorities propelled me in what would be the next year's journey in my and opening up the entrepreneurial life that I still live today. Right. Uh, but I could never have predicted the series of doors that would have opened up one after another as I, as I walked down that path. And, and so what, what did that initial uh, entry into uh, entrepreneurship look like for you? What, what, what was your, did, did you start off with uh, reformed the, uh, when you first got out, got out of the Navy or was this, was this an evolution kind of process that, that you went through? No, I, for me, it was, again, it was opening up one door at a time. I didn't know I was going to be starting my own business, let alone, you know, or maybe partnering with people and finding, I, I didn't know anybody else that was, that was interested in starting a business and sustainability in downtown Annapolis, in Annapolis, Maryland, and helping veterans. Um, I had to go seek out, the, I had to go kind of look at the terrain, find what's going on out there. What, and um, as I took inventory of what my strengths were, um, a lot of soft skills, like we all have coming out of the military, all the leadership, you know, man, project management, um, organization, time management, all those soft skills are wonderful. None of those rhyme with sustainability or rhyme with running a business. <laughs> so right. I, uh, I sought out like, okay, what, am, what, what can I, let alone technical abilities in anything sustainability wise. So it, what happened is I got connected to some, I, I was like composting. I randomly chose composting as this thing I was interested in. I'm like, it's easy. There's a demand for it. I want to learn about it. And so I did, and I got connected to people who were developing a project for uh, the Marine Corps as a proof of concept to demonstrate how Marine Corps food waste in the field could be anaerobically digested to be, uh, to be turned into energy. Really cool thing. And mm -hmm. I, I remember having breakfast with these guys. I, got, I was connected to them and uh, I like what they're doing. They were really innovative thinkers really forward leaning in the technology. And I asked him like, hey, can I help you out and just turn some wrenches and no, you know, I, I, I have no skills, don't, you don't need to pay me anything, but I just want to intern with you, if, if you will. Well, I joined their team uh, as an unpaid intern. And um, a year later, after a lot of effort and after winning a state grant, a $640,000 state grant <laughs> and winning a pitch contest um, from Sam Adams, the beer man, okay. the beer company, um, $15,000 from Sam Adams and a mentorship meeting with Jim Cook, the founder. Um, I found myself at Jim Cook's, uh, in Jim Cook's office in Boston. Wow. Um, and over a three hour meeting, Jim Cook, um, confirmed my concerns about this, this business effort. I was growing, I had grown reformed. I built it to be an anaerobic digestion focused business. It produced four products, since the number four in the name. Um, 
carbon dioxide, uh, methane uh, digestate, which is the, the compost material, and uh, purified water. Hence, Reformed Camp was born as a company. Well, I'm sitting in his office, I'm sharing, well, well, Jim, this is where the name Reform comes from. Here's my proforma, and I really need to build more projects in order to make this sustainable. But my business partners, who I'm about to sign a, a partner agreement with, don't want me to maintain 51% of this company as a service-disabled veteran company. And he said, Mark, that's all I need to hear. Don't do it. Don't partner with them. Your SDV OSB status, whether it's certified by the SBA, the VA, doesn't matter. He's like, that is your most valuable marketing aspect in the sustainability world. Back out of this chain. He's like, he, he's, he said something to the extent of mind your runway. How much runway do you have left? And don't be afraid to change the runway you're on. So I left that meeting with him and it took me only a couple days to come meet my, my future partners and back out of the entire thing. And so I left. And uh, I left that really uncertain what I wanted to do. But I'll tell you what, really quickly um, in those ensuing days, um, I, I was repainting an F-14 Tomcat. And I, that's a story. And I, re, I, I realized how much I, I'd learned in the previous year through all the veteran support and military spouse business support that was out there. And I wanted to pay forward what I had learned. And that was the start of this great pivot to uh, for reformed to do what it is today. So it's out of that great failure that today, you know, I'm growing this effort to help others have a much easier time in their first year of launching and growing their business. Yeah, and it's interesting that you the, the way you 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 look at it too, because um, you know you you got really great advice uh, and. And that, that allowed you to pivot from what you originally were planning on doing to what you're currently doing now. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really see that necessarily as a failure. Uh, it's, it's a learning experience. And I yeah. think that's the way all, all learning experiences throughout your whole life are, are going to involve some degree of uh, what some people might consider a failure, uh, where you try something and don't get it right the very first time. But you know, with entrepreneurship, you're constantly evolving what you're doing and you're, you're totally changing things uh, from one, one way of doing things to another. And, and it seems like, uh, you know, what you're doing now is, you know, on, on the right track. And it seems like it, it, it's fitting in line with a lot of what you were, you're trying to do uh, to begin with. Hey Scott, do you, think, do you think we talk about failure differently in our, in, as we become entrepreneurs and business oriented from when you were active duty do you think that i mean we we remember how scared we were to we we we, we talked about failure but we embraced it it was like right. but i'm only asking because i i've I, I find myself using the term failing forward a lot okay i sometimes feel like i'm making that up you know well like, you know i i think we're we're also hard on our, ourselves with yeah. with that where to you, this felt like a failure. Uh, you know, you felt like you. Uh, of course, it felt like a failure. You, you put in all this time, all this effort. You met with these people. You were, you were. You I know, was playing wrenches. I want to stay grand. I mean, I was in the literally. I was in the shit. I mean, right. I was turning organic material, manure, food waste into energy, and turning and figuring out how to do it. And then a billionaire, <laughs> B. Mogul, basically told me to back out of it. 
Right. And, and so that seems like a failure. I could see how that would seem like a failure to you, but at the same time, you also have to give yourself a little bit of grace because, uh, you know, how many businesses had you run prior to this? You know, how, you know, how much business experience did you have coming out of the Navy? Um, yes. Like you said, you had a lot of those soft skills, some leadership skills and things like that, but you know, this is still your, it was pretty much still your first rodeo uh, as far as uh, your business experience goes. And um, you know, that's, you know, that's, so, that's really why when I talk to new, younger, you know, newer entrepreneurs um, today, I, share a, a bit of that story. And I share that what I learned is that your entrepreneurial journey is a series of doors opening. It's very different than your military experience, which is certainly a series of doors opening, but there are a series of predictable doors. You know, there's only, right. a certain, there's a certain number, you know, there's, but in the, in your entrepreneurial journey, um, where you start, and maybe it's true about transition. I don't know. But where you start is going to is going to look nowhere. It's going to look nothing like where you end at year one, two, three, four, five. And, and as you look back, you're going to say, "Oh my God, how did I? How did that happen?" Right. You know. You know? And I find uh, so. What I tell these these new entrepreneurs is to um, be careful creating that five year plan, let alone a ten year business plan. Like, I mean, who could have prevented predicted that COVID was going to occur in 2020? So right. as a, you know, as a very obvious example, or obvious example, but, you know, be careful planning beyond a year. Think about those short-term goals and where you're, what's the next sprint. It's very like you're involved in software development. It's very scrummy, you know, yes. and OODA loop, you know, to do, think of your life as, as smaller iterative loops where you can do the work real quick sprint and, and do something small and then test it and confirm with your customer that's what we want to do and then do it again and then do it again and do it again and that's what my entrepreneurial journey has felt like which is probably the biggest change from my military experience right and so from from a military perspective it might seem like a failure um you know in the military you have a mission this this is your objective you go execute that mission if you do that, great, you've succeeded, mission success. If you didn't, then mission has failed. And that that's, it's kind of very black and white in a, in a lot of cases. Um, you know, not, not every single time, but you know, it's a very black and white, but in, in business, things are a little bit uh, more gray and, and you can, you can kind of chalk some things up to learning experiences and, and they could be a considered a success. Um, you know, it, as long as you're, making the right direction, uh, right decisions to move yourself in the, in the right direction. Um, get back know, to failing forward. What do you, that, what do you think about that? Yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a, a good, it's a good term to describe, you know, what you might describe as a failure, um, to, you know, when you continue moving forward and you continue making progress, uh, you know, you, you've, maybe failed at that initial attempt, but you've, you've, like you said, you, you've learned from that, that initial attempt, you're, you're iterating and you're, you're changing things, things up and you're, you're still moving forward. It's not like you failed and then you just threw in the towel and said, well, screw it. I'm going to go, you know, get a job doing something else, you know, and, and you just throw in the towel. And, and that, that would be a, to me a, a failure because um, you, you just up and quit. And, and that's, not really uh, the spirit of 
entrepreneurship where, where you're going to, you're going to, you know, maybe get your hands a little dirty and, and try to figure things out, but um, you know, you've, you've kept going. And so, so as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't seem like it's a failure. The word that comes to mind is resilience. And uh, yep. you know, it, you and I are probably around the same age and like, um, I definitely believe that I am a far more resilient person now at what, 47 than I was at 37 than I was at 27. Mm-hmm. And I think if I got out at 27 or 37, I would have been a far less resilient entrepreneur and I would have sure. failed in a different way. And uh, when I look, I engage with a lot of younger entrepreneurs now and I see the challenges they face. And I, I, ju- I was just talking to one a couple of days ago who had this really bad experience with another veteran business. And uh, because of this one bad experience with another veteran business, he's like, I'm, I'm done working with veteran businesses. I'm like, wait, what, 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 do, you, what, do, you, what do you mean? You know, you, uh, and we're in the middle of this conversation right now. And I'm like, yeah. okay, there's, come on, there's more to that, but you, come on, come on, my friend. You gotta be, you gotta be more resilient than that to give it right. all that you share so much with. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, don't work with that one particular, uh, company, but to write off all veteran, uh, businesses as a, as a whole, that, that seems a little, uh, too, too much, you know, for, for, uh, for that. Throwing in the towel, you know, throwing in the towel, giving up, um, uh, you know, it, I look at my, my life and, uh, you know, it would have been, I don't know, in my, in my three years as an entrepreneur, I've never once considered throwing in the towel. It was always like, okay, that didn't work out. Now yeah. what am I going to try? Now what am I going to try? Yeah. Um, and even when I was active duty, I don't recall ever throwing, you know, considering throwing in the towel. Of course, I stayed in for 22 years. So that's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I I, I, I was committed. I, I, I believe, I believe in it, I, but that has built that resiliency now. It's like, right. And maybe that's what makes me feel so comfortable working amongst the veteran and really now the military spouse community is that comfort of, uh, it, that feeling, I feel resilient among these people, you know? Right. Yep. No. Yeah. And, and the, they bring their own resiliency, which is, I, I feel like that could be contagious uh, where in a good way, um, you know, where, you know, so you see somebody else who's not going to quit and throw in the towel and they, they, they just keep plugging away and they, they keep working at whatever it is that they're working at. And you want to be more like that, you know, and you, you tend to feed off of each other that way. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I know you said in the the pre-show conversation, you're like, Hey, we'll talk about your business too. Um, let me bring up my business right now because yeah, I, w- I was actually going to transition into that. Uh, I want I want to get into your business and and what you do and everything like that too. But open this conversation on resilience and building resilience into the business. Well, um, my biggest challenge is like many of us is scaling my business to become mm-hmm. you know not just sustain a sustainable revenue generating entity, impact generating entity. You know, but it's to be like this, you know, a force to reckon with in the veteran and military style small business world. Well, scaling the growth, both regionally, um, impact people in the community, all these, all that I want everything to grow. But, but I've, I've realized like, okay, I need, I can grow this, my business regionally, 
and we can share what we do with our, we'd run all calls, their, their uh, regional networking events. Um, I can increase the throughput of veterans and military spouses, but what if I could reach other communities of people that, are, that share a similar ethos and value set as us? And wouldn't you know, I, I went through a program a couple of weeks ago through Dartmouth's Tuck School of Business called Next Step. And it's a transition program. It's like 75% transition, 25% business oriented. But it, half the people are veterans and the other half are elite nat national team athletes, Olympians. Okay. We have this, I'm like, oh my God, we, we share the same ethos and values and, and Scott, same approach to resiliency. It blew me away. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I really do want to be surrounded by these people who share the same approach to resiliency as I do, who gain strength in each other. And so as I scale my business, you know, you read those pre-show that the introduction, you're like, hey, my business supports veterans and military spouses. And I was like, hey, Scott, actually now we're also supporting elite athletes. And if you wore our nation's cloth in combat or competition or supported those who have, my business is here to support you. And in close parents, it's because I love working with you people because you make me feel stronger, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I make you feel stronger. And that's what I mean by that. And that's why yeah. I really wanted to include these Olympian national team athletes in, you know, what we're doing as veterans. Yeah. And in, in, in a way, uh, you know, I never really thought about it, but in a way the these elite athletes, the, the Olympians and, and people like that, um, they probably go through a very similar transition out of their, uh, their sport uh, that, you know, maybe they've been working at this all their lives and, you know, they're, they're, they've reached the end of their competitive years uh, yeah. perhaps. And all they've ever known was their, their exercise <laughs> routines and yeah. their, their practices and everything like that. That's all they've really ever known. And they probably didn't give too much consideration to what's next, what's, yeah. what comes after this. And so, uh, you know, it, it's very similar to the military where a lot of people maybe just are not giving too much consideration to that what's next. Um, so so there, I can see a lot of, uh, you know, synergy there with, with, with the two groups. Where, where... I sacrifices, I mean, so similar. In fact, more extreme. Like when, when did you enlist in the army? How old were you? Uh, I I was, uh, let's see, I was uh, 24. Okay, so I, I was older. I was on the older side. So like, I, I imagine being a women's uh, Team USA hockey player who got into hockey at the age of six. Yeah. You know, or a speed skater who got into the sport at the age of seven. You know what I mean? Their lives have been revolved around that sport for 20 years. And, and you know, they're the, the top 10. I learned this through the group. The top 10% might get sponsored by a company. The other 90% yeah. are on their own. And it's a really um, dog eat dog world out there. And so what I realized is like, oh my gosh, we as veterans get so much transition support. We need to stop whining. Mm -hmm. you know, we get so much support. We need to use that support. And yes. not, not clamor for more. I mean, I, I, I know there's some people out there who might disagree with me, but generally relative to other communities in our country we get a ton of support in the business world and entrepreneur world veterans get a ton of support look at military spouses i think they get they're finally getting the support they need and i love that because it's as i believe it's all about strengthening the overall military family 
Right. If you support a veteran or a military spouse, small business, or an entrepreneur, you're supporting your military family. But you know what? These Olympic athletes get zero support. And anything we can do to help them out after they've dedicated their last 20 years towards towards winning for our nation in, in that global competition. I mean, the least we can do is, is open up our resources and our help and our, our selflessness to them as well. And I think you're fine as I have, boy, it's like bringing them, bring them into the fold and into the, into the, the trust tree. You're like, Oh my gosh, you have the same perspective on being resilient. you you have, you share the same warrior ethos. I do. I'm here to help you. Yeah. No, and, and that's great. And I, I think, you know, as far as like scaling a business, uh, you know, the more groups of people that you can open up to, the, the better. And uh, especially if they are, uh, you know, they, they do have some similarities between the, the, the different groups. It makes your job easier because then, then you have that, that same kind of mindset going into it with, you know, how do I approach these people? How do I, how do I talk their language um, and, and get them on, on board with, with these, these uh, programs. So let's talk a little bit about a little more about, uh, you know, reformed and, and what it is that you do, how, like how you, uh, how you connect the, these communities of, of people together and, and what it is exactly that you do. Hey, yeah. Thanks for asking. Bottom line. When I was a, in my first year of entrepreneurship, I realized I was, I was, and I didn't even know this at the time. But what I now know I was missing was were two things: a community of support that uh, of like-minded veteran entrepreneurs that could guide me through all the challenges I faced. The second thing I was missing was a family of go-to back-office business services that I could turn to for website development, for a law firm, for business cards for you name it, all the things involved with growing a business. And you know, I mean, just as well as I about like, oh, make sure you go get your legal team and your insurance team and da, 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 da. And I'm like, where do you find these things? And it, I wasted a lot of time and frankly, not a lot of money, but enough money to wish I had back then a family of go-to veteran delivered services, people I could trust who look like you and me. Feel like you know who shed the same ethos as you and me. I shouldn't say look like me, you and me, because I could care less about how we look, but it's how you, how you, what your ethos is and what your values are. And right, uh, can we talk about Afghanistan 2010? You know, um, <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. And I, uh, and so I, as I pivoted, the great pivot I did in, in uh, 2018 19, after meeting with Jim Cook of Sam Adams, did that. I pivoted reform to fill the missing pieces in a in the veteran military spouse entrepreneur support world between things like boots to business and the boot camps like patriot boot camp and maybe bunker labs occasional events and the other end of like the high-end accelerators and incubators that venture capital world runs would be at tech stars or bunker labs veterans and residents program i wanted to put i wanted to build what's in the middle which supports those veterans and military spouses who are in the ideation phase or in the first year or second year of growing their business. And all they wanna do as they're bootstrapping it is do it affordably with, with people they trust and they wanna grow clients, they wanna grow customers. How do we help those people out? And this is a underserved segment of the veteran military's population. That's who Reform is serving. We do it three different ways. We have a series of regional networking mutual support events. We call them all calls. They're no cost, 
high quality, a lot of fun, and they're nothing more than executive pitch sessions where you can pitch your business, share your challenges, you have two minutes to do it, and then people are gonna give you feedback and ideas and connections. And then um, we do these in Washington, DC, we do it in Texas, we're launching one in, we've done it in the Twin Cities, we're now doing it in Colorado, and I'm looking to build one in the Pacific Northwest. Ultimately, the Bay Area, Florida, and get this, Arizona. So awesome. all the hubs where veteran entrepreneurs are strong. Um, that's the growth plan for these. Number two, we've grown a family of vetted business services that are all veteran, military spouse, and now um, national team level athlete owned businesses. People who you share these values with. They are, we've built 36, a family of 36 services. Like I said, we cover everything you might need. You need someone to make your company's t-shirts, come talk to me. You need someone, you need a payroll, bookkeeping, accounting, come talk to me. We have all of these services that are all veteran owned. And not only are those services high quality, the, the owners of these companies are, are like you and me. They're not just great service providers, they're great mentors. And they, can, they will teach you as well as serve you. So those two critical areas are, are what make Reformed unique from the rest of the, vet, the veteran and military spouse entrepreneur ecosystem. And that's what we like. We, I call it the ecosystem because it's all about like, hey, we're, we're, we're supporting um, new, invet, new entrepreneurs. We're supporting the, the established entrepreneurs. We're connecting them. Everybody's growing together. And yep. ultimately, I think we can be an example for the rest of the nation's um, civilian entrepreneur core uh, on how they can model their, how they support one another. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. And I, I like how, um, how, how you're, you're supporting each other, you know, refer, referring, you know, vetted businesses, uh, you know, to each other, uh, networking and, and everything like that. I, I think that that's, that, that's wonderful. Uh, you know, how, how all of that kind of comes together, yeah. um, you know, in, in, under this umbrella of, of the, uh, the business. So, um, so that's great. So how, so as a veteran owned business or a military spouse owned business, or, uh, you know, one of these elite athlete uh, owned businesses, um, how, how would I get involved with, uh, reformed and, and what you do? There's two easy ways. Um, so number one is to come attend any of our all calls. Um, they are, like I said, no cost, high quality, really organic. You don't need to have an established two minute pitch. We just wanna hear who you are and what you do and what your challenges are. Um, I hope in the show notes, you put just a link to our website. If you go to our yep. all call tab, you can find out where to register for these events. Um, we do one event in each region per month. Um, and here's the, here's the lay down, Scott. First week we do it of each month, we do it in DC. Second week of each month, we do it in Texas. Third week of each month, we do it in Colorado. Fourth week of each month, we've been doing a, a, a workshop hosted by some member of our community. For example, this week or this month, it's going to be on intellectual property for the, for the small business that is working on branding its business. Okay. Uh, and I'm hopeful that that, that that will also add a Pacific Northwest all call too. So that's one way you can connect in. The other way, it's good old fashioned. Send me an email at markmalay at reform.com. You can find a, a link to it on our website as well. Just shoot me a note. Let's set up some time to talk. Let me let me hear what you're doing and what your challenges are, and let's tie you into the ecosystem. Sure. Um, I'm I'm eager also 
to connect with any of your the member, anybody listening to the pod here who wants to help out. Um, I'm hiring this year. I want to hire people who want to help host these all call events in their cities. Um, I want to, I want to hire people who can help me manage this family of business services. If this resonates with you. If this whole conversation is resonating with you, please reach out to me. Um, we've just achieved a really major milestone and we were just, we just had our, we were on a nonprofit all call quarterly and we just secured a sponsorship for it. And that's going to allow me to grow and scale um, our, our impact. So I, I'll, I can't announce, I can't share who it is yet because the, 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 the ink is not dry yet. Uh, <laughs> it's going to change our business model. And uh, I'm really excited about that. So yeah, reach out to me if any of this resonates with me and you want to help out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think, uh, th- I know there's a number of uh, uh, veteran entrepreneurs who have, and, and military spouse uh, entrepreneurs who uh, listen to the podcast, uh, I've, I've had as guests on the podcast. So, um, you know, definitely, I, I think any, any of you uh, who have been listening to this, definitely reach out. Um, and and uh, there definitely will be links to uh, the, the website in the show notes and, uh, you know, any social media or, or anything like that it, uh, as well will be in, in the show notes. So uh, if you want to get connected, you want to uh, check out a little bit of, about them, about Reformed and, and, and everything that they're doing, uh, definitely check them out. Go to the show notes, uh, click the links and, uh, and get in touch with them there. Um, Mark, it, it's been a, a pleasure uh, speaking with you today and, and kind of learning a little bit about your background and, uh, and and what it is that you're doing with Reformed. I, I think it's uh, you know a great uh, great system that you have going on. Uh, great way to get uh, veteran uh, and, and military connected uh, businesses to uh, to work together and and help support each other. Like you said, everyone everyone grows together, uh, you know, when, when you're, when you start working together like this. So I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, and, uh, definitely wish you, uh, the best of luck in, in what it is, uh, you know, what, what you're doing here. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Know, you. I mean, we are stronger together. And I think, uh, uh, when you, when you transition out, you're going to, you'll, you, you know, it already that you need to lean on your brothers and sisters to get you through the transition no matter what business or industry you're getting into. And for, for what we've learned with entrepreneurship is that none of us can build a business alone. So if you're listening to the pod, you're, you have an idea for a business um, or you're already building a business, reach out to us. Let's, let's talk about your challenges. Let's tie you in because yes, we're truly stronger together. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Uh, it's, it's been great uh, having you on and uh Again, anyone who's looking to get in touch uh, with Mark or, uh, you know, find out more about Reformed, uh, check out the show notes and I'll have links to all that there. And uh, thank you again. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening to the Drive On Podcast. If you want to check out more episodes or learn more about the show, you can visit our website, driveonpodcast.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Drive On Podcast. 